So, Helen, do come. Two weeks in a row. That's a bit scary for everyone, including me. <laughs> including me. I'm just going to pray. Father, whatever it is that you want to bring to us today, today's a new day. Today is the first day of the rest of our life. <laughs> today's a new day for all of us. And what is it that you want to bring? What is it that you want to bring of the history of who we are, the history of who you are, that you want us to project into who we are ongoing? What bits do you want to get rid of? What bits do you want us to hold on to? Please come. Please come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us truths that we can hold on to. In your name. Amen. So, an air. An air sounds rather grand, I think. An air. I don't know whether we spend our life thinking, I'm an air. I don't know whether we do that, but I'm an air. I'm thinking about it a lot this week. <laughs> I'm an air. I think, <clears throat> when I think about air, I think about things like the air to a grand estate, like Downton Abbey, because that's a real estate, isn't it? Because <laughs> an air to it, or an air to the throne, I think, probably comes to my mind most. We are heirs of God. The literal meaning of heir is someone who has been appointed appointed to receive an inheritance. Someone who has been appointed to receive an inheritance. So for us, in the context of God, it's about being appointed to receive his inheritance. So the author of our lives, the author of creation, the author of the universe says, I've got an inheritance for you. I have an inheritance for you. I reckon that's got to be good. Is that going to be good? It's going to be good. I'm going to read from Romans 8. The, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And in him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We've heard that bit a lot, haven't we? I went on about it quite a lot last week, I think I remember. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but... That whole thing that was brought out in the prophetic about, you know, the truth of who God is, it's got to hit us where our sufferings are. The truth of it is. So if God's bigger than it all, I don't want to jump too far, but I've got to say it here, haven't we? If there's stuff in here that's hurting, if there's stuff that's broken, actually the knowledge and the truth and the understanding of both the historic and the future, all in God's hands, all part of our inheritance, is what we rely on in the times of hardship and hurt. Jesus Christ is God's firstborn son. So he gets everything. We've heard the history. Dave did a brilliant job of telling us how that worked. We are his co-heirs. Joint heirs with Jesus. Joint recipients, joint everything of everything God gives Jesus. When we die, we get to receive an eternity, an eternity of inheritance. 
God is in the business of giving us a little bit of our inheritance before we die. And I think this is a little bit like when um, parents that have got sufficient funds to help their children and their children are struggling to set up home or setting, struggling to set up or do something, the parents can sometimes, if they've got sufficient funds, can say, do you know what, why don't you have just a little bit of your inheritance now and, and that will help you now and you can have the rest later when I'm gone. <laughs> but it's a little bit like that. It's a bit like God gives us this inheritance. Obviously, he's not dying, so you know, I'm not going to say a heresy today, but God gives us our inheritance and in that inheritance... He gives us a little bit here for here on earth, a little bit for now, and quite a lot of it, actually. This week, last week, I said as a child of God, as a child of God, we have to do nothing to be a child of God. And this week, I'm saying we get everything. So we do nothing, and we get everything. And we have been given the privilege of sharing Christ's inheritance, everything. We share everything with Jesus. This is truly the message of God's grace for us, the message of God's grace for us. Wherever we've been at, wherever we've been, wherever, whatever we've done, we are children of God and we receive everything. So let's have a look at some of our inheritance. I went outrageous on number one. Number one, the world. The world. The world has Helen gone mad. The world. God has given Jesus, his son, of all creation as a gift. And we have just been reminded that we are co-heirs with him. So if he gives Jesus everything, then it's our gift too. I'll read from Colossians just to back myself up a little bit. Colossians 1, 15 to 22. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And this is pretty good news for us, pretty good news for us as co-heirs of all of this. So part of our inheritance, the whole creation, this has got to get us thinking. The whole of creation, the good parts of creation, we get to enjoy this creation. We get to wonder at the marvels of creation. You know, over the history of um, our existence, we have been overwhelmed by creation. I, 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 would, I would dare to say any one of us, when we look at a tree or look at a sunrise or look at an amazing part of creation, we are just overwhelmed. And we have a privilege of saying, do you know what? This is a bit of my inheritance. I get to share this. I get to, I get, I get to be a part of this. I get to, to own a little bit of this. This is all part of God's gift to me. And then I think that there's a natural progression in that. Because if, we, if it's ours and we love it, then surely there's a bit of caring that's got to go involved in that. It's a natural progression to just go into saying, I want to look after this world a bit. And maybe we could look at the, the world as like a special heirloom, like the, the family silver or something. And maybe we could look at it and say, this creation, this is, this is like a, a precious part of my inheritance that I'm going to look after and, and be passionate about. And there's a little bit of question mark in there for me because I'm a little bit blase about the environment. But actually, actually, how can I do that? How can I do that? I've got to have 
more passion about the thing I care about. Caring for people. Looking after the poor. Looking after the oppressed. If our family silver includes the creation and the, and the wonders of the world, it also includes people. If I'm looking out for this world that I'm living in, surely it matters to me. Surely it matters to me about child labour. Surely it matters to me about human trafficking. Surely it matters to me about prostitution. Surely it matters to me about those viruses that are causing such havoc. Surely it matters. Our inheritance matters. And this isn't a heavy thing. This is a, how do I respond, God? How do I respond to keeping my precious silver precious? How do I respond to looking after this? And there's more inheritance than that. Our eternal lives is pretty good. Our eternal lives. That's part of our inheritance. So we're getting a bit of it now and a bit of it in eternity. There's loads, I could say. Living our lives in the context of our inheritance. How are we doing with this? We get to be with Jesus. And when we get to be with Jesus, we're going to be in heaven. And the party that we started today is going to continue. Today's the first day. We're going to keep partying. And we're going to get to heaven. And this verse has really stood out to me when I've been looking at this. Revelation 3, 21. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. That's a royal inheritance. Getting to sit by our brother in heaven. Sharing in royalty. Me and you. I think that deserves a bit of a whoop. (laughs) Whoop. (laughs) So we've seen the scriptures. We have read. We get everything. Co-heirs with Jesus. Heirs of God. He declares it and we are. With our amazing, spectacular and wonderful earthly inheritance. These special heirlooms, if you like. What are we going to do with it? How do we give them value? How do we keep our inheritance precious? We don't have, how do I spend my inheritance, if you like? How do I spend it? How do I decide to spend it? We don't ever get the potential to squander our um, eternal inheritance because once we're a God's child, he doesn't let us go. So we've always got that. But our earthly inheritance, how do we spend it? Do we spend it responsibly or do we spend it irresponsibly? Just before I go on, I really, feel, I really feel that there's somebody in here that this message is feeling really cold to because they haven't received their right inheritance on this earth. There's something has happened in their past and the whole area of inheritance is just leaving them cold. I'm just going to pray for a minute. Just close your eyes. Father, you know what's rightfully ours. And you know what's been robbed of us, for whatever reason. And we trust in you. We trust in you, in your truth, in your love, in your freedom, in your provision, that you will pay back to us what is ours and overfill us with what is yours. If there's somebody feeling like that today, I pray for healing in their heart right now. 
in your name. Amen. Amen. So there's a famous story of a man with two sons. We call it the prodigal son. And, and the young son asks for his, his inheritance early. So he kind of turns his back on his dad. He says, I don't want anything more to you. Can I have some of my inheritance now? And the dad says, okay, I'm going to split it between you two. I'm going I'm to split my inheritance between you both. So the young son thinks, result, I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off and live a wild life and I'm not going to have a second thought for you, Dad, because there's a lot of world out there that I haven't seen yet and I'm going to go and jolly well enjoy it. I'm going to go and live it up, as it were. And that was his take. That's what he wanted his inheritance for. That's what he wanted to do. The other son said thank you very much and he continued to work hard within the family business, continued to be with his dad, continued to stay at home. And actually, in effect, he was living in the opportunities that he had by being close with his dad. He was living in that every day. He was living in his father's home. He, also, he always got to have dinner with his dad, if you like. He always was there. And the young, younger son, I'm paraphrasing the, the message a little bit, the younger son eventually ran out of money. Funny that. If you're squandering your inheritance, it usually goes somewhere. So he ran out of money. And he also realized the shallowness and the pain and the shame of his choices. And he considered his options. And he decided that if he could just be one of his dad's servants, he didn't even suppose he could possibly be accepted back to being his son. If I could just be one of his servants, my life is going to be a jolly lot better than it is right now. And as far as a a boy in that day was concerned, his life was pretty poor. He was with the pigs, and that wasn't good. So off he went, back, thinking if I get a good speech rehearsed, my dad might just accept me as a servant. And when he got home, the father greeted him. It's one of the most glorious greetings in the Bible. He greeted him, he celebrated, he enjoyed his return, he gave him gifts that were of significance to who he was, and he reconciled himself to his son. And he said, son, son, back, you're back. The father had never stopped loving the son. That's the reality of that story. He'd never stopped loving him. And the father decided it was time for him to party. He was going to party with his sons. The older son had an interesting response. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. He was angry, disgruntled, jealous, fed up. He didn't appreciate the celebrations of the younger son at all. He'd gone off, done his own thing. Well, and he looked at his brother and he judged him. He looked at his squandering and just thought, idiot. He just looked at him with a judgmental attitude. And he'd also witnessed the sadness that had come on his dad. And he was just like, get away. How can you be celebrating about him? And part of him was thinking, poor old me. I've not got to get to do the wild living. It's probably quite exciting. I've not got to do all of the stuff he did. What am I missing out on? And I think a little bit of sympathy comes in there with the older son. It has for me in the past. Thinking, oh, do you know what? He was keeping going he was doing the right thing and here comes the younger one it's all like oh great he's back and and all the time he's like well well it was great that I'm back well he was there 
And the thing is, he missed a massive, huge, tremendously big, I can't think of any more big words, point. He missed the point. The point was he was always there. He was always enjoying the goodness of being with his father. He always had the opportunity to be there. And that was the best thing. That's the bit that the penny dropped with the youngest son. He's like, this is rubbish. I want to be back. But because he hadn't experienced it, he was doing the whole, oh, I didn't experience that. And now he's celebrating. I didn't do that. I've been working hard. I've been slaving. Slaving. Totally missing the point. The dad said these wonderful words to the disgruntled older son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Everything I have is yours. Everything. Our Father tells us, with our inheritance, everything I have is yours. And how do we respond to it? How do we spend our inheritance? Do we run away, spending it unwisely? Do we kind of live in this selfish, self-absorbed, oh, I'm going to jolly well party, I've got freedom, and maybe not realizing its emptiness and the shallowness, or maybe we are realizing and we are thinking, I've made some mistakes, but it's too late now. I've done it. And if we're taking that route, God says there is a way back. There is always a way back. It is not too late. There's a way back. Look what he did with his son. His son said, I don't want to know you. I've blocked you. By asking for his inheritance, he's asking for the bit that happens when he dies. He said, I don't want you. It's not too late to come back. Maybe some of us aren't actually running away, but we're doing a jolly good job of doing our own life. And we're not really asking to God to come in, not calling on him, doing our own thing. And we're not really missing his guidance because we think we're doing it quite well. I think that's quite a dangerous place to be in. And it's often a place that we're in in our quite affluent middle class world. We think we're doing it all right. We need to be careful because choices, decisions based on our best for ourselves are pretty limited compared to what God says is our best. Pretty limited. Are we willing to say to him today, today, I want you to be my dad. I want to walk in your inheritance, the things you have for me. And what about this attitude of the older son? Do we get disgruntled and feel like a slave to doing the right thing? There's all that world out there that I'm not doing because I'm a slave in a way for you, God. I'm the good one. I haven't really done the wild thing. Where's your particular favor on me? Because life doesn't seem that good right now. If that's us, we've also missed the point. God is so excited and pleased for us. He's pleased in us. I think some, some of the worship that's happened over the few, last few weeks has just had that level of excitement in it, hasn't it? It's like, it's so exciting. It's like, it's continually exciting because we're getting some truths about the love of God. And I, I think we've always got the truths. Sometimes we're more res, re, receptive to it, aren't we? And I think right now we're just saying, Do you know what? if there's anything for me, God, I want it. I want it. Excited about our inheritance. Are we forgetting sometimes the security, the joys, the honour and the privilege of this inheritance?
I'm just going to pray for us again right now. Father, the truths of who you are have been with us since you began us. (laughs) Since right at the beginning. And sometimes our hearts have to respond to that freedom that you give us. Once we've had Jesus, we've got ultimate freedom. Once we get Jesus, we get ultimate freedom. Because we have the truths of you, the truths of being your child. Would you help each one of us to be free in the truth of who we are? To be free in the truth that we have this inheritance? To be free in what it is that you want to bring freedom from our past, our attitudes, our self-reliance, our wanting to go and live it up, our having lived it up. You're the same, and you say you love us the same. Bless us, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, I firmly believe that Scripture points us to all of our inheritance, all of our inheritance. And I'm going to give you a gift now, um, can the stewards start to get together? They're going to come and give you this. Actually, if the, everyone that's stewarding, if you just make sure you've got the right amount for in your row, because we're a little bit short for this end, but there's definitely not more than 300 here, so there should be enough for everyone to have one, but it might be that you have to count your row. Okay, sorry for the advert there. This, I don't want you to open it until we've all got one. And it's truths from Scripture. It's called A Love Letter from the Father. I gave it out a long, long time ago. However, I didn't have Becky then, who's made it very pretty and very lovely. And this is also looking a bit like a last will and testament. As I said before, God's not dying. This is our inheritance in document form. And I'm going to get someone up to come and read it for us. But if we can go as quick as possible, because I know this is a bit of a clumsy bit in the middle of the talk to give it out. But you know, sometimes we have these responses. I want to receive you. I want to come to the front. I want to respond. Last week, we had this tremendous response, didn't we? I am a child of God. I'm excited. I want to be a child of God. I am. I am. I am. This time, it's here's a present. These are truths. This is for you. This is God saying, this is my inheritance. This is my inheritance. You'll see at the bottom when we do open it, all of the words are direct from Scripture. Okay. How are we getting on? Nearly there? Not nearly there. See, I knew it was going to take a while. See, I keep joking in the office that one day I'm going to stand up and do a spiritual dance. Becky, Amos is now laughing. I'm not going to do one. <laughs> but maybe that should be my infill. I don't know. <laughs> no, I just, I just want to declare truths over us. What we've heard so far, we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. How are we going to spend our inheritance? When we look at these words here, we've got our inheritance in a nutshell. And there's more. There's more. How are we going to spend this that we're going to receive? G, can you come up to the front, please? I thought G seemed fatherly. He's not actually God, though, all right? <laughs> Great introduction, eh? <laughs> yeah, so, three, two, one, open your seals. She's going to read it to us. My child... 
I know everything about you, even the little details like when you sit down and when you get up. I am familiar with all your ways. You were made in my likeness, and in me you live and move and exist. You are my own child, and you are so precious to me that I even know the number of hairs on your head. I knew you even before you were conceived, and when I planned creation, I chose you. I planned the exact time you would be born and where you would live. I formed you inside your mother's womb. Your design is complex and wonderful. You are not a mistake, for I have written all your days in my book. It was I who brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry. I am the complete expression of love. It is my desire to lavish my love on you just because you are my child and I am your father. I have more to offer you than your earthly father ever could because I am the perfect father. All the good things that you receive come from me as I provide for you and meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with a love that will never fade. I don't stop thinking about you. My thoughts towards you are countless, like sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you because you are my own special treasure. I desire to set you in a secure place, a good place, with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvellous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is from me that those desires come. I am able to do immeasurably more than you could possibly ask or imagine. I am your greatest encourager. I will comfort you in all your troubles, and when you are broken-hearted, I will be close to you. Just like a shepherd carries a lamb, that is how I carry you, close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and will take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your loving Father, and I love you just like I love my Son, Jesus. It is in Jesus that my love for you is revealed. He is the perfect mirror of who I am. He came to show you that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died to bring us together. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved so that I might gain your love. 
If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you, your perfect Father in heaven. Thank you. Thank you, G. Bit croaky voice now. (laughs) It's good, isn't it? It's good. You can keep that. Don't continue to read it now. (laughs) Um, We're going to actually look at it again in a minute. Um, And we're going to have the words coming up to us in a video. So it it takes a while. It takes about seven minutes. Um, But that's going to be part of our worship as a response to today. To just watch those words and soak in the truth of those words. But that's in a minute. Until then, hold on to those. How did we feel when they were read over us? Every one of them true. Every one of them told to us in the Bible about what we receive from God. Every one of them a part of our inheritance. Every one is truth that gives us freedom. And how do we respond to these truths? Do we respond with a grateful heart? Do we respond a little bit? "Mm." So, are we happy? Does it bring us sadness? Do we feel forgiven? Maybe we feel condemned. Grateful, happy, and forgiven are good responses. The other ones, I, if you feel those, then they're not truth from God. They're not truth from God. Because he loves us. He loves us. In our next series in Acts, we're going to look at the church, the early church, how they responded to the message of God, how they responded to Jesus, how they responded to the receiving the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to read a little bit from Acts 2. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They had glad and sincere hearts. That's how they responded. That's how they responded to the truth. That's how they responded. Things were not easy. Things were pretty tough. As tough as it can get. And they responded to the truth with glad and sincere hearts. When I was about four, the thing that kids were into more than anything else was this thing coming up on screen right now. Anyone from the 70s or around in the 70s will know this is Tiny Tears. Tiny Tears was the thing I wanted above all else. And one day, I had that glad and sincere heart because I got Tiny Tears. This was Christmas Day. I had three older brothers, 10, 11, and 13 years older than me, who were not, shall we say, as into Tiny Tears. Although it was a quiet toy, and it meant they could continue to watch the Christmas film. So that bit was good. So I was just happily playing away with Tiny Tears all day Christmas Day. And then Boxing Day came. And I have to say, something very tragic happened. 
one of my teenage brothers sat down on the sofa, like they do, without bending the knees. You know how teenagers kind of go? Flopping. I'm currently reminded of this with my life right now with two teenage boys. However, he sat down on the sofa and he said, what's this? And pulled off her head. This isn't a happy story. Tiny Tears never cried again. I cried a lot. (laughs) Tiny Tears stopped crying and wet more. (laughs) That was the consequence. And um, I was pretty disappointed to be fair. I'd been waiting for tiny tears for some time. A bad thing happened and she was broken. I still played with her and I still enjoyed her and changed her nappy a lot. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't quite as precious. As a child, I got over it quite quickly and in fact I had a teeny tiny tears in replacement. Probably cheaper. I understand what she did there. (laughs) My mum... So I had a replacement, and Teeny Tiny Tears was, became the precious thing. It was, it was fine. I got over it, and I still had Tiny Tears. And I put on a brave face a little bit over Christmas and still had my doll. Okay, so this has limited application, doesn't it? How am I going to ever get back from Tiny Tears to this? But I was glad and sincere-hearted with my gift. Genuinely so. And then something happened, and it broke. I was sad, but the rest of life was all right, so I got over it. And as an adult, how do we view this story? I think as an adult, the trouble is other tiny tears have happened, haven't they? Other things have happened in our lives. Other things have happened that have brought us joy, and then we've been despondent because something either related or unrelated has happened that's brought us sadness. Other things like tiny tears happen in our life, and we have a build-up of disappointment or sadness. And our response then, I believe, to the glad can be sad. Because it's like, well, something really good's happened, but do you know what? Something bad is going to happen in a minute. Or something really good's true about God, but there's other bad stuff going to go. And life feels good right now, but it might not end up like that. Because we become cynical. We start to question. We start to say, yeah, it's true about you, God, but there's other stuff that's bad. And we know this. God has never told us it wasn't going to be like this. Think of the early church. We know it's like it, but because it hits us in here, we just start to be despondent about the things that make us glad. And I think my encouragement to us today is, whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is that's been our tiny tears, we can still be glad about the good stuff. We can still be sincere about the good stuff. We can still chip in. We can, well, chip in? That's the wrong word. We can still get into what the goodness is that God's got for us. We can still do this. To respond to our Father with glad and sincere hearts. Our dad never tells us lies. He tells us the truth. How are we looking at our lives? Are we looking at it like the older brother? It's all right going for God, but what am I missing out on? Are we looking at the younger brother? Do you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go have a wild time. Or are we looking at it with that response of the younger brother when he realized that's shallow and empty and nothing compared to being in the glory of you, to being in your presence, Dad. So what lens are we looking at our life through? How fuzzy is our lens? How damaged by our tiny tears incidents in our life? And is it time to say wholeheartedly, 
the truths in this letter, the truths of me and my inheritance, that is substantial enough for me to give me a glad and sincere heart. That is above everything. I can step into that. I'm actually going to stop there. If we can get the band to come up, please. Actually, yeah, as long as you squat down. (laughs) Sorry. We're going to watch this video. So I'd like you to be ready to start us with worship. Because as we said earlier, we we thought it was exciting after these four sessions to just end in some worship time saying, I am glad that this is the truth. I am glad that I can respond to you and you say whatever's gone on, you're mine. I love you. I am glad. So let's read these words. Let God wash over us with the truths of these words. And then we'll start and enter into worship. Can we start the video, please?